All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing late summer, end of August? Are you feeling back to school? Oh, the the dreaded words, back to school. I've just (laughs) recently, as a something-year-old man, uh, stopped getting that dread feeling as much when I see back-to-school stuff come up. Because I dreaded it when I was a kid. I... I hated it. Like as soon as July Fourth hit, right after that, and then they started putting up the back to school ads everywhere you went. When people still went to malls all the time, you know, you couldn't escape mm-hmm. it. And TV commercials on basic uh, regular TV, I would be like, "Oh no, no, why?" <laughs> like that pit in your stomach, you know? Yeah. I loved back to school. I love. I always loved school for like the first two weeks, and then I hated it. But every new school year, I was always like, "Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be a whole different vibe." Yeah, but that's that's then, a very good know. way to think about it. I mean, I the thing about me is I never, I, I never had a hard time in school. Like it's not like I was bullied mm-hmm. or anything like that. There was just something about school I didn't like, and I can't. I, I till still to this day, I can't put my finger on it. I think it was just like the lack of freedom, you know? Yeah. It was the restriction of you got to get up at this time, you got to be at this place. It's 5 days a week. You know, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Still not good at um, that. <laughs> no. I remember waking up early for school, and it is insane that like we ask teenagers especially like the people who need the most sleep because they're like their entire body is basically changing over. Yeah, it's like and stretching. We're like, yeah, we're like, you need to get up at 5.30 in the morning, get presentable for the harshest critics you will ever face in your time on Earth, and then go learn. And it's just like, I don't know, this seems like a very difficult environment in which to like really thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then it anyway. sets up the, the, the way people socialize for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you're- any workplace you you go to, you know, remote might be different, but most people at this point have worked uh, in an office or something somewhere that wasn't remote at some point in their life, and mm-hmm. it's high school. Yeah, it's all it's all this. It's it's upsetting how much it is like the same. Yeah. Although, yeah, I, it is interesting now because. They just had my 20-year high school reunion, and I didn't go. Um, But it's so funny because I haven't been home in that amount of time, and I was going and, like, looking at the pictures on Facebook, and I could not recognize anybody. And I was like, these people ruled my thoughts. Mm. (laughs) And I thought that, like, gaining their approval was going to be the thing that unlocked happiness and all this stuff. And I was like, and I can't tell you 100% who that person is. Yep. You know, it's amazing how that shifts too and how ultimately high school is such a short part of your life and like your life gets so much better. I remember being in high school and crying to one of my mother's friends like they say these are the best years of my life, but like this sucks. And she was like, I don't know who says that because that's fucking ridiculous. She was like, the best years of your life are when you're in your mid 20s and you start making serious money, but you still live with just all your friends and nobody's married yet. And you know what, Carolyn, you were right. That is great. 
Yeah. Yeah. So all you young kids out there, because of course we have a lot of young, oh, yeah. very young kids in the audience. We're huge with Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it gets, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't going to say it gets better because that's already been used by more important, uh, just uh, more important mo- movement. But uh, <laughs> high school is stupid and whatever. Yeah, and you're going to be fine. I also just want to pull back the curtain a little bit and let our audience know I am actually with one of my dear friends and her two kids. Um, in like a rented house. I came and like crashed their vacation for a few days. Um, So if you do hear any children, I have not had children, (laughs) but I am uh, surrounded by kids at the moment. So yeah, you've not adopted. How old are they? Well, you don't have to say, but they're what what, in their, in their, the single digits. (laughs) I mean, I could, they're two and they're four. They are in their single digits. You don't need to give any identifiable uh, you know, sort of thing so that, you know, people can know who you're, who you're talking about or hanging out with. They'd be no, like, hmm, no, but someone who knows Aaron that has a two and a four year old. <laughs> Actually, like I have quite a few friends with those like ages. So, you know, whatever. That makes sense. Um, that like tracks that like syncs up with your age, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, we're not here to talk about my friend's kids. So what, what book did we read, Aaron? So this week we read Hello, Stranger by, of course, Lisa Claypass. It is the Ravenel's book four. Came out in 2018. This is when she was busting out a book a year. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, let's judge this cover. Yeah, right? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not crazy here. No, this is god off. And the thing is, too, it's like the covers in this series are pretty universally, like, absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. This one is... God awful. And so, listen, everybody misses. And not that Lisa's out here designing her own covers. We know that's not how it works. But, like, this is pretty bad. Yeah, it's just, like, Garrett, Dr. Garrett Gibson is on the cover. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the the stance is weird. The She seems weirdly stiff. And also the dress, I mean, I'm no fashion plate. But this dress is awful. This dress looks like 90s prom fashion, which, like, listen, I went to the prom in 2002. So I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody. But, like, this is pretty, this is pretty, pretty bad. I, yeah, it's awful. The Photoshop is bad. She looks weird. I mean, and also for a book that I must say I really loved, Mm -hmm. this cover is rough stuff. It's tough. I think that's kind of, uh, is, uh, yeah, uh, for the next book being, I think, my favorite cover mm-hmm. ever. Of any book ever. Yeah. yeah. This is a huge, yeah, a huge dip in quality before she really rebounds. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's all we have to say about the cover. Th- this is also stuff that's already been said when it came out. It wasn't like people were obsessed with it. But what um, is this book about before we jump into talking about it? Well, so real quick, because I know we, we, we got to speed through this. Uh, so Garrett Gibson and is a doctor. We met in the last book. Ethan is a assassin 
policeman. Uh, well, no, he's a former. Where's what is that place? Um, Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard detective, but like mm-hmm. he's like a spy in a in a an assassin, and he 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 was following her. Uh, then falls in love with her. Uh, and he get he falls ill. She helps him, and then they fall in love. So that's basically mm-hmm. it. But these these are well, characters he doesn't that, fall ill. He gets shot. He and gets shot. Falls into the Thames. Yes, and she she basically saves his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is two characters that we had already met previously, mm-hmm. so they're not mm-hmm. brand new to us. What? What was your first impression? What did you, what are you, top of the line thoughts? What do you, let's hear it. I mean, I liked it. I mean, I, I don't think it's my favorite of the series, but I did, I did like it and I did like them. I liked that she was the only doctor in London because she. Only they, female doctor. Only, I'm sorry. Yeah. Only female doctor in London. Uh, because they weren't allowing uh, women to to do anything back in the day, so mm-hmm. that was cool. I thought Ethan definitely, you know, Clay Pass did the thing where Ethan. I mean, it's not like I hated Ethan previously, but I definitely didn't think much of him, and now I like him a lot more. I mean, it's just that mm-hmm. like famous Clay Pass. Let's take this guy that either people dislike or feel nothing about and really invest uh make people invest in them in the next book you know Mm -hmm. it's just her basic you know great skill well and also the big reveal that he's a win that he's yeah that he's a he's a winch he's a ravenel yeah he's a ravenel so he's actually he's the first son of edmund ravenel who is their like father and like the father of the girls and but he was a bastard his mother was like a poor woman that he had that his father had an affair with and he looks stark like so much like the Ravenels that everybody basically was like looked at him was like oh yeah you're definitely Edmund's bastard so why are we pretending like you're not and then that was kind of revealed and um I have to say, so when I read this book, the fir- I only read this book kind of like the first time when it came out. And I remember being like, ah, okay, like that yeah. was fine. And in my mind, the sickbed scene like went on a lot longer. And I was like, oh, this is kind of boring. And I must say, who knows what kind of like mental state I was in when I read it for the first time. But like, I really loved it this time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this book was so... Um, interesting and complex. And I think I really appreciated Garrett uh, for who she was. And and I felt like she was such an interesting character because Claypus really managed to flip the stereotypes of, you know, normally it's this kind of like stoic man who has to be taught to love or has to like come up with flowery things. And instead it's... um, it's Ethan, it's Ransom, who's the one who is really able to express himself a lot more freely. And Garrett has a really difficult time. She has the emotions, she feels the emotions, but saying them or 
or that kind of thing when she does want to say I love you she's like when you said you loved me you you made it sound so beautiful and I kind of like don't really know what to say so I just say I love you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I really liked that I thought that was really fun and interesting and you know it's difficult for romance authors to constantly come up with like new characters and new ways for people to be in love and I felt like this was like a pretty unique couple in that way now when you originally read this did you were you reading this series in succession as they came out yeah uh-huh okay so this is the fourth book mm-hmm. so it it's it's easy sort of to it, it at that point in a series to maybe start taking if for granted or feeling like it's a stopgap sort of book, mm-hmm. you know? So there could have been that thought process w- with yeah. your reading. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, it's like you didn't know that Ethan was a Ravenel until his book, basically. That I, I don't think that was really hinted. Or maybe it was actually. I think Helen looked at him and was like, oh, he looks a lot. Like she, he, she had a, like a moment like that. But, um, so I think that there's that, too, that I was just kind of like, oh, and West is such a big character, and he's coming up yes. next, I believe. And I was kind of like, oh, I thought this would be West book. But I think reading it just for reading this book, I, th- I thought it was really fantastic. And I really loved uh, Ethan and loved Garrett. Yeah, very excited that West was in this book as much as he was in that. I mean, obviously, this next book is going to be huge. If anybody who hasn't (laughs) listened to this podcast knows, the next book is, I I just became fascinated with that cover. And I pretty early on when we started this show, because I feel like that book came out around the beginning or at least a couple months into when we started doing Tropes. Yeah, I mean, it would have been 2019, so definitely. And I remember you being like, what about that book? And I was like, oh, it's like kind of deep in a series. I don't know if we'll ever do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, listen. It's, we did it. We did it. We're, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I also love the him giving her the whistle and her using it when she doesn't really, well, when she wants to see him, which I thought mm-hmm. was really cute. I mean, there's some, listen, it's like stalking in real life is upsetting, but, you know, a a light stalk in a romance novel, pretty great. Like, there was something like like almost like magical about that, too, about just sort of like being able to summon him with a whistle because he was always watching her. Mm -hmm. And there also is this trope in books that I also really love that I think in real life I would find annoying of him just being so concerned for her safety. Yeah. She brings him to his, to her house where she lives with her father and there's this lock and he's like, this lock is absolute bullshit. And he just is stressing out like, Oh, anybody could come in here. Anybody could harm her. And so he ends up buying her a whole new door and a fancy door knocker and a very fancy lock and makes her change her nameplate and all this stuff. And I, I, I mean, that was so great, too. That was so sexy. That was so fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard with some of these tropes like that. Like you said, stalking is mm-hmm. is not cool in real life, obviously. 
it's like, but why? It, it's one of those things in a book where it just amplifies something that I think people want, right? You yeah. know, to know that somebody's worried about them and cares about them. Now, there's there's always the level of, well, it's infantilizing to women. It can be infantilizing to women, right? Which is not good. Mm-hmm. You don't want to look at women as incapable or less capable than men. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, so there is that like uh, slippery slope sort of thin line thing. But again, we're talking tropes. And so you can't take them as this is how real life should be. Right. Well, and I think the thing is, too, with romance novels is like there's a there's an aspect of sort of exercising fantasy within them that we would necessarily want to experience in real life. But it's being able to have those feelings because, you know, we've talked about it before, like a lot of people have, you know, sexual fantasies or something that they don't ever want to actually have happen. Mm-hmm. But it's just a way to kind of like work through different things or or try on different feelings. Um, and so I think it's the same way with something like that. Like, obviously, we, nobody wants to be stopped. But the idea that there would be somebody who was like that concerned with your safety, that if you ever felt unsafe, you could just summon them with a whistle and they would be there and they would take care of whatever's happening. And, you know, that's kind of sexy and that's kind of something to explore, um, you know, within within a book. And it's like, I think everybody, you know, I don't know. I just think of how... When it comes to romance novels, sometimes people are like, um, oh, women think that this is what they're going to get, you know, these like brawny men who will throw them over your shoulder and stuff. And it's like, no, I think readers understand the difference between fantasy and real life. And I think this is like one of those instances where like, this is a fantasy, um, that, you know, would it really come to pass? Although, you know, whatever. It's like you should have a good lock on your door. He's not wrong. <laughs> That's true. Now, so not we're not a clickbait podcast. We're not here court and controversy. But mm-hmm. there was a section of this book that was excised by Lisa at some mm-hmm. point, correct? And I feel and like I wouldn't say smoothly. Okay. I feel like we'd be remiss not to talk about it at least for a quick moment. Was mm-hmm. that section in there when you read it originally? I It must have been. I mean, it must have been, and I honestly just don't remember it. I'm not going to, like, you know, it was pointed out to us on uh, in our comments on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So shout out to, to the person who did it. But I think that... You know, it it was like a bit of um, exoticism and uh, it was about him ha- having traveled to Asia and learned a lot of like sexual positions. So it was like an over-sexualization of Asian women in a way that is like pretty gross and obviously not something that we want to um, sort of uh, prop up. Okay. But so that was basically what it was. It must have been there when I read it the first time. And then, but it was taken out of this book. But the thing that was strange is I was reading it. And then they, he was refer because he refers a few times to like all of the positions. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm like, but you didn't, you took out the part where he talks about all the sexual positions, but then 
you didn't take out the callbacks. And that yeah. was what was confusing to me. Because I was like, well, I know what he's referring to here. But, like, I unless I, like, fully spaced out and read it in this book. But I don't remember reading it. Okay. In this okay. version, I mean. And then this, she she took it out after people complained, correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the way to do it. Yeah, I think the thing is, too, it's like, as society changes and things that were okay, like, that were never okay, but I think that people didn't realize weren't okay, um, are brought to the forefront, then I think, like, you have to respond to them. And, like, you don't have to. Like, Lisa didn't have to take it out, but I think it was good that she did, and it was the right thing to do. Um, yeah, because it's kind of further alienate readers, you know, I was going to say if it's going to alienate people, which is not what romance wants to do. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to be provocative and in your face and edgelord. So <laughs> there's no reason to to say to draw a line in the sand about something like that. Right. Right. It's like, is that really where you want, like, you want to go down on? And it's like, no, it's it's a silly, I, I'm sure that Lisa did it without thinking really clearly about all of the implications of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so take it out. And I think it's like, obviously, those kind of things and things that would make people feel uh, uncomfortable in that way. You know, obviously, like, there's an aspect of literature that should make you feel uncomfortable, but not that kind. Um then, yeah, it's the right yeah, thing to take it out, and it probably shouldn't have been in there in the first place. I guess it's kind of – I shouldn't say that romance shouldn't be challenging because it can be, and we've read some. So that's not that's not the case. Like, things can be challenging in this genre, but this book isn't supposed to be. No, and it's – and and there's different – it's supposed to, like, challenge your ideas about certain things and stuff, but I don't think – but it, this isn't it. And you know what I mean? And it's, like, a small thing, too. It's, like, just change it. And she did, yeah. which is good. And I think she was trying – I think – and I uh, – listen, I don't want to speak for Lisa, but like you said previously, she's written so many diff- so many books, and she's always mm-hmm. trying to do something different. She might have thought, hey, this is an interesting backstory for a person – People said, ah, we were uncomfortable with this. And she said, okay, you know, you can't win them all. Yeah. Um, So another part of the book that I really found interesting and that was really talked about, like, you know, a trope that we talk about all the time is bad dads. Mm. And this seems to, like, not even just have bad dads, but just, like, everybody's an asshole in our whole lineage. Yeah. And I found it really interesting because – Ransom, you know, Ethan Ransom, they call him Ethan and Ransom and Aton, but he really has to deal with finding out his father was this man who was like a disgusting human being. And weirdly, he continues to have loyalty to his adoptive father, who was also a piece of shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> who also like beat his mother Um, When she kind of was making desperate choices for her family. And I I found that kind of inheritance really interesting uh, to think about. Um, Also, you know, with Wes and Devin, West and Devin, you know, they're like kind of the poor relations. They are enough removed, I think, from like the main family that they didn't have the same trappings, although their own father was a piece of shit. That um, 
the concerted effort that Wes says specifically, like, I understand that my father was an asshole, that this guy was an asshole, and I swear to God, whatever I have to do within myself, I will make sure my children never are treated the way that we were treated. And, like, it ends now. And kind of deciding that that wound, that familial wound, that ancestral wound is done mm-hmm. with one generation, yeah. I think is really hard. I think it's a decision that a lot of people have to ultimately make when they decide to have kids. Yes. You know, are you going to perpetuate the same uh, familial strife that was perpetuated on you? Or are you going to do something different, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just have to say that I really loved it. And there was a lot in this book about inheritance and um, kind of making it on your own and independence and and all of those things. And, and Ethan kind of having to learn how to depend on other people that I loved. Yeah. So let's let's just ask the question so we can get into the sexy part of the book. Would you fuck <laughs> them? A hundred percent. Both. Yeah, I would fuck both of them too. I mean, I love he gets... I mean, this is also like a really great, like pretty plot heavy book where like Ethan is working for this guy and is an assassin and they're trying to set up the Irish people that they are committing terrorist attacks so that people will vote against home rule in Ireland and all so you of must have loved this because it's about Ireland. Well, no, because it was about English people trying to fuck over Irish independence, which I don't love. And okay. also, I know they didn't get independence for another, like, 70 years. Yeah. Well, partial repet, you know, whatever. Um, But, yeah, so uh, he it tries to do the right thing, tries to tell the right people that there's been something going on. And he gets shot and thrown into the Thames. And the description of the Thames, like, how disgusting the water was, ugh. When they were talking, he ends up being brought to the Ravenel's house and um, Kathleen and Devin are like trying to clean him. And I was like, I can just imagine how gross he was. Yeah. Ooh. Could you imagine? Yeah, it's it's so, uh, just the thought of just that being in that sort of water just it makes me want to get ill. I know. And he did get very ill. But yeah. Garrett fixed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, should we do our Goodreads list? Let's do it. So historical romance for feminist readers. All right. Romance novels with STEM heroines. Yeah, it, I mean, I guess. I'm not too familiar to what STEM is. I realize I don't know either. It's like technology, but then I'm like, oh, is the M medicine? I mean, that makes us sound so dumb, but I think I think yeah. M is medicine, so then... Is it science? Uh, technology, technology, engineering, medicine? Yeah, you nailed it. There you go. So then, that, yeah. So then, yeah. A historical romance with physicians. Yeah, she is a physician. I love a lady doctor. Listen, this goes back to my absolute love and obsession with Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Mm. Which I don't know if we've talked about, but like, I've seen every episode of that show 12 times. And I don't know if we've ever talked mm-hmm. about this. Was almost the podcast we did. Oh, yeah. We almost did a Dr. Quinn podcast. <laughs> and we were going to do it at work. Great. This was when we worked at, uh, a, un, uh, at a place of, of employment together. And we were going to do <laughs> it on office time, remember? That was the thing. Yeah. We should have Shocking. Done that. I got fired from that place. You quit. Yeah, F that company. We should have done it. 
We 100% should have done it. Listen, I don't know. I feel like we keep teasing all these bonus episodes that we're not doing. Oh, by the way, people are chomping for our Virgin River recaps. We got to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe so, off mic, but like we really got to we really got to get the, to that. The first – okay, so – okay, we'll get to this at the end of the show. We do have uh, – there okay. is a Virgin River episode up on Patreon that's, that's a – it's a uh it's gonna be on the main feed but it it is what is that like early access yeah it's early access right now yeah um illegitimate heroes and heroines historical romance yeah he's a bastard love in the merchant class or working class there was no dukes and even though like Ethan, I got nervous when they were like, oh, Ethan is actually the oldest male of the line that I was like, fuck. I'm like, are they going to have him be the Earl? Mm. But no, they're like, no, it's still Devin. And Ethan was like, cool with me. I have a shitload of patents and money from all these locks. Yeah. Romance in Ireland and or Irish heroes and heroines. Yeah. I got to say, I did not love the accent thing like he has an irish accent but then sometimes he doesn't have an irish accent because in like just the way accents work it's like he wouldn't really have an irish accent because he was born and raised in england mm. and even though his mother was irish it's like you kind of develop the accent of the people you spend the most time with like in school and stuff yeah so i was like no, I think he would just have whatever the normal accent of his area would be. He would maybe have like a hybrid. Like a like weird. Maybe he, he would, would have like a lilt or something like that. But it's like you wouldn't like I have friends whose parents are British mm-hmm. and they speak like American with an American accent. So it's yeah. like, you know, um, a matter of life and death and love. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he almost dies. Yeah. She gets kidnapped at 90%, although they never leave the house. But, you know, the assassins come into the house. Yeah. Family by heart, heroine or hero heroine involved with orphans, orphanage or orphan train. Okay, what's orphan train? We've been over this. Orphan train. Yeah, orphan train is... It was in America, and it was when the <laughs> orphanages were getting overfilled in the on the East Coast in the cities. And so they put all the orphans on a train and brought them out west so that people with farms could adopt them and the kids would, like, work on the farm. There's no way we've talked about this. We all know we've talked about this. I've, I would remember how many times I've had to explain orphan trains. That's what it was. Well, it feels new every time. So thank you for <laughs> indulging me. I guess I'm I mean, just, it might have been. <laughs> I'm always just so shocked at the name of it and what it was mm-hmm. that my brain automatically forgets it immediately. I can't handle oh throwing orphans on a train and then making them work on farms. It just does not seem fair. I mean, clearly you weren't an Anna Green Gables girl because that was kind of like Anne's thing. Oh, I wasn't. No, my sister liked Anne. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was in Canada. Obviously, there was not a physical train involved, but basically, she was an orphan who was like kept being adopted out to be like governesses to little kids. But she was like such a shit governess; the kids hated her. <laughs> and so then she ended up getting adopted by Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert. 
to like work on the farm, but they were like really nice and they were just like, no, you can just like be a girl. And she was like, perfect. Great. Um, what I've always wanted to be. Exactly. But uh, I would say, well, yes, and that Garrett works in orphanages helping the kids. And yeah, I mean, that's just the extent because I guess Ethan is like technically an orphan, but his mother died when he was of age. So. Mm-hmm. OMG, you almost died straight edition. Yes. Women with attitude, historical romance. Yeah, I mean, she's strong-willed. Mm-hmm. Historical romance with Hero, who is detective, investigator, Bow Street. Runner, police officer, law enforcement, romance, mystery. There's so much going on in this <laughs> list. You really need to make multiple lists, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But, yes. She works hard for the money, working women in historical romance. Mm-hmm. Tearjerker romance novels that jerked the tears right out of you. I mean, I didn't. My, I did not jerk any tears. I was not. I jerked. did, but I cry constantly. So, you okay, know, I'm always ready for a cry. Nice. Reclusive romance heroes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Heroine rescues hero. Certainly. Romance hitmen assassins. Yes. It also just made me think of that Kerrigan Byrne book we read, remember, The Hunter. Uh, yeah, my head, yeah, my head exa- went right to that. Romance novels to reread again and again. I will say this book is very improved by a reread. Okay. And if you read it the first time a while ago and you're like, ah, eh, you know, I think I got it, it wasn't my favorite, I would say come back, revisit. You might surprise yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, book fours are tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a man in uniform. Uh, or you? Oh, that's what that you. Uh, that's not just a statement. Is that does that work <laughs> anymore? Because I feel what? like that is something that's really aging badly. Is like man in uniform, right? Because I think nobody it likes on the uniform. Nobody likes anybody anything that those uniforms represent anymore. It feels like, right? I mean, a fireman. I I guess yeah, fireman. He's still like yeah, but yeah. Uh, I love a woman in a man's uniform, that's for sure. <laughs> you love, like, a, if, like, a girl comes over and then she puts on, like, your big white, like, teeth, oh, like, uh, button down, are you into even, it? That's the <laughs> fucking best thing ever. Absolutely. That's, like, stupid sexy. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, and then we just have one last one, which is Deadly Women, Best Romance Heroines Who Can Defend Themselves. Mm, yes. So that's it. Well, that's not it, but there was like quite a few, but those are the ones I picked. Yeah. Clayton, what are your tropes? Uh, working, well, I, is a doctor working class at this point in history? Yeah. yeah, working class heroine, doctor heroine, bastard, bad dads, as we said before. Uh, the mm-hmm. hero falls in love while stalking the heroine. Yeah. And heroine saves hero's life and mm-hmm. nurses them back to health. Mm-hmm. Those are my tropes. What are your tropes, Aaron? Sorry. Thank, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, secret father, heroine is a doctor, sickbed romance, almost died, Hero stalks the heroine, uh, but it's cool. 
we have also like the clay paste object, which like we said before, that's the whistle. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah, she always does. Sarah McLean is the one that first pointed that out to me. Or not to to me, <laughs> a listener of her podcast. <laughs> but she was really talking directly to you, right? Yes. Secret I know that she was really like, I think Aaron is gonna really pick up on this. <laughs> um so, yeah, so uh, those are my tropes, but also kind of like, you know, uh, healing generational wounds. <laughs> yes. Those kind of things. Nice. Um, yeah, so listen, that was Hello Stranger, guys. And next week, ne- our next book is going to be the is Heartbreaker by Sarah McLean. But then following that is going to be The Devil's Daughter, which is Clayton's favorite well, favorite cover, and we'll see how he feels about the book. But it's West's book, right? It's West's book, and we've already met the heroine. I mean, this is setting up to be an all-timer, and I, 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 if you've listened to this, I have the book. I found it in a mm-hmm. free library, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be reading a physical copy around town in the next few weeks, so look for me oh, doing that. if you that. see him. Remember, if you see Clayton in public reading and he looks hot, take a picture uh, and submit it to Hot Dudes Reading. But only happen. if he looks hot. Oh, uh, well, then you're not going to see a picture of me. Uh, you know. Oh, that's I, not true. Here's the thing. And uh, we can't get into it because you have a, a heart out. But yeah. I, I'm I'm at this point. I need to get like a, a, a wardrobe. I need to like get my wardrobe together. I need to have an adult mm-hmm. man's wardrobe. It's like I, I just need to do it. Because I think that's the big thing holding me back. Okay. I got to update my wardrobe. It's been forever since I bought any new clothes, really. Yeah. I I need a grown man's. I need to start dressing like a grown man. That's what Mm -hmm. I need to start doing. So. Yeah. Well, it's not grown men reading. So I still think you could get on there. No, it's it's not like men who dress like little boys. (laughs) I think, listen, Pat, I've taught him how to shop and he can do it now if you want him to go or I'll go with you. No, I know how to shop. It, it, here's the thing. It's just like I – it's so hard. I don't like shopping, so it's hard. I know the aesthetic I'm going for. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard for me to get myself shopping because I hate it so much. But I just need to do yeah. it. I just need to do it. So – oh, oh, swoons. So you have to ask me about my swoon. <laughs> Let's leave this in. You were fully taught. You didn't give me a chance to say anything. Hey, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? This week I'm swooning about a movie I saw in theaters with your husband Mm. and our friend. And it's a movie called Emily the Criminal starring Aubrey Plaza. Now, this is a small movie. It's in theaters in New York City. I don't know if it's how wide it is, if it's available in your town still. But... It's a cool small movie, really good script. Aubrey Plaza helped produce it. She stars in it. It's about a woman who had uh, a criminal, uh, something in her past that's keeping her from getting a decent job, and she gets wrapped up in some illegal stuff. And it's nice, like 90 minute, tense and uh-huh. tension filled. Aubrey is, yeah, it's the best. It's the best. And it's a kind of movie that, you know, is hard to get made and hard to get distribution and especially theatrically. I mean, this is a movie that could have just been, you know, on Hulu or something. Mm -hmm. But 
I would say if you're interested in any of those things that I said, go see it. Support movies that aren't superhero movies. I know that mm-hmm. sounds cliche, but it's true. Just support anything that's not a superhero movie. If if you like it, if it's a movie, the mm-hmm. kind of movie you'd want to see more of. And I think this is a movie that people would be into. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it's really a great time at the movies. So Emily the Criminal, starring Aubrey Plaza, is my swoon. Cool. Aaron, nice. what has you swooning? So I'm swooning about a book and a show. So um, it's by a woman named Dolly Allerton, who's a writer who I really love. And so she has a book called Everything I Know About Love. And it's just a bunch of essays about her in her early to mid-20s in like the teens, like, like 2000 and. Tens. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what what that period is called. Uh, in London. And the book is really fantastic. I read it while I was in London, so it was all very on theme. And then I found out that there was already a series about it um, in the States. Uh, in the UK, it's on BBC Two. And then here in the States, it's on Peacock. And it's just really gorgeous and really well done. It's a lot of it. It's obviously like a fictionalized event of her and her for uh, three other friends living in their first flat in London. Like I was saying before, it's like that time of your life. I think it's so magical and so special. And it's about her and her best friend who she's, you know, they've been best friends since they were little girls and her best friend kind of starts having experiences without her and how difficult that is as a friend and how difficult it is to think that you have this partner and how things are going to look and and kind of having to deal with how they are actually going to be. Mm -hmm. It's really well written. It's really well acted. I really hope there's a second season because they definitely only did like the very first half of the book. Um, So I'm like, we can, let's keep it. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's a gorgeous, uh, it's a gorgeous show. It's uh, really funny also and irreverent. And if you were in your 20s during that time, like I was, it is like a trip because um, even more than girls, it just feels like it really captures that time. Well, and you just said the magic word. Girls. Girls. Cause yeah. listen, Girls is a fantastic out. show. Oh yeah, Girls is a is a brilliant show. I'm not like I uh, that is perfect, but it feels uh, it's a little bit more like playful. Like I honestly, Clayton, I think you're gonna be obsessed because I know you're an Anglophile. Oh yeah. Um, listen, and everyone is it. Belle Polly is in it. Who has been around a while. She's really talented. The main woman is really talented as well. Anyway, it's really fun. If you're looking for a TV show, it's on Peacock. It's super, it's great. It's called Everything I Know About Love. Great. Um, all right. Are we wrap it up? Oh, yeah. We're wrapping it up. So don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe or rate, review, and follow us on Apple. That's how people find us. So go ahead. If you do have the time to write a review, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, we are on Twitter at Learning the Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop, the Learning the Tropes troop. Um, we have merch, which is linked below. You can always email us your thoughts at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. And then we are on Patreon. If you just go to Patreon and search Learning the Tropes, you will 
show up. Like uh, Clayton said, we already have our first Virgin River episode, which I think is the first two episodes of this. It's the first three, I believe. The first three. Um, Then we're going to have the next three episodes Mm -hmm. reviewed with just me and Aaron. That's going to drop on Friday on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to record the rest of the series at some point and it will be available on Patreon early access and then it will hit the main feed. We are not keeping Virgin River from our beloved listeners who are only listening on the regular feed. We just wanted to do a little fun early access for our patrons and it will be available to everybody uh, eventually. Yeah, exactly. So it's just yeah, it's just early access for if you want it for like a week or so before it gets released to the main feed, you can join us on Patreon. Yeah. Oh, I hear some babies. (laughs) Yes, we're getting ready to go. So, um, so thanks so much, guys, and happy reading. Happy reading. Mm